y'all. I am shook. (laughs) This is exactly what I was looking for. Empirical evidence that the bro marketers and Karen coaches are doing us serious harm. We are going to be digging into actual research today, y'all. And it's really opened my mind and heart to the work that needs to be done. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, and I am just reeling from this research study I read that delineates, like it defines and delineates entrepreneurship as an industry. So I am not going to play around this morning, today, whatever you're listening to this, because we've got a lot to cover and I'm going to try to get it done in 20 minutes. So just for reference, and we will have the link in the show notes, the study I'm referring to is called The Entrepreneurship Industry, Influences of the Goods and Services Marketed to Entrepreneurs. It was published in 2017, and it was written by Dr. Richard A. Hunts, the Assistant Professor of Strategy and Entrepreneurship at Pamplin College of Business at the Virginia Polytechnic Institute, and Dr. Kip Kiefer, Assistant Professor of Management in the Department of Management at the United States Air Force Academy. So their big reason for this paper is that present frameworks for entrepreneurship fail to take into account the existence of the entrepreneurship industry, but also its influence on entrepreneurial activities. So they basically identified a huge gap in the current like scholarly and academic literature. And as a result, because it doesn't exist in this literature, we also don't see it in, you know, in terms of like layman content. So they came up with a really good definition of the entrepreneurship industry. So let's take a look at that. It's pretty simple. Definition, the goods and services explicitly intended for opportunity discovery and development by current and prospective entrepreneurs. Pretty straightforward. Now, this is a little bit different than the industry's purpose. It's raison d'etre. And that is to promote the belief that individuals who are motivated to develop opportunities through entrepreneurial action have the potential to harvest lucrative outcomes. So that is the point of the industry is to promote that belief. And in the course of this study, there's actually quantitative data here that we're going to dig into. They continued their definition of the entrepreneurship industry, and they were able to determine that the entrepreneurship industry is made up of eight subcategories, and they used a triangulation of approaches. That means they used three different approaches that included keyword analysis of Google and assessing assessing company stated intent. And so the eight sub-industries are Outsource startup support, which is $3.5 billion, uh, and that was in the year 2014. Uh, the consulting and advisory services, that was $2.8 billion. Conferences and expos, $2.4 billion. 
TV and radio infomercials, 1.1 billion, web-based content, commerce and crowdfunding, 1.4 billion, uh, entrepreneur targeted books and magazines, 600 million, training seminars and workshops, 800 million, and scholarly entrepreneurship uh, books and journals, that was another 300 million. And that was in, as I said, the year 2014. And there were some other industry components that completely blow up the amount of money. So uh, university degree programs, that was more in excess of $2.5 billion. But direct government support was also in excess of $25 billion. And venture capital was also in excess of $20 billion. Now, it's really important to note that these numbers are considered conservative. Like, I'm pretty sure they didn't include people, you know, scouring Facebook groups to slide into folks' DMs and the like who don't really have a digital footprint. Like, they might not have a website for Google to categorize and, and pull keywords off of. So these numbers, and they say it in the research paper, these numbers are conservative because they only included revenue that they felt like they could confirm was targeting, you know, aspiring and up and coming entrepreneurs. So not necessarily things that were supporting like established businesses. And I think it's really important to note the industry's motivation again, right? The purpose of the industry, like what fuels the industry, what is to the benefit of the industry, because it's not necessarily to the benefit of us as the entrepreneurs. So the entrepreneurship industry is motivated to increase the social desirability of entrepreneurship by creating entrepreneurial role models and helping to develop specific cultural beliefs about entrepreneurship. It is to the entrepreneurship industry's benefit to make entrepreneurship seem sexy. It seems sexy, achievable, you know, live your best life, four-day work week, three-day, you know, weekend CEO or three-day CEO or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we're coming up with these days. So entrepreneurship is tough, right? This is not for the faint of heart, but the industry, the entrepreneurship industry creates, and I, I'll give it to them. Maybe it's accidental, maybe it's unintentional, but they create an atmosphere of what this uh, paper called illusory conditions or yeah, illusory conditions. And this is what I've been referring to in some of my conversations on Clubhouse as the every person entrepreneur illusion that everybody can become an entrepreneur if you just try hard enough when in fact studies of entrepreneurship right? A careful examination of what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur is actually a contrib like it's, it's a series of factors that all contribute to the success of the entrepreneur. It is not just any one thing. So the, like the promotion of the every person entrepreneur illusion leads to overconfidence in skill and underappreciation of risks and requirements. And that is something that was reflected in the quantitative data of this study. It can also provide an alternative to critical thinking and evaluation of opportunities because there are so many things, for example, in the coach and consultant space, there's so much out here pushing people to start their coaching business, pushing them to start their consulting business. It short circuits, you know, your critical thinking and your careful examination of the actual opportunity for yourself. They're saying it's a good idea. So you take it as a good idea for you. And that might not necessarily be the case. And another thing that happens with the promotion of the uh, every person entrepreneur illusion is that complex judgments, critical thinking, all of that is set aside in favor of simpler conclusions because we assume that these people who have these five figure programs, four and five figure programs, they just know so much more than us. So I don't actually have to really sit with this. I paid these people and they're doing my thinking for me. And that's just not the case. So Whew, I'm doing pretty good. 
<laughs> the conclusions from the research paper are are really what widened my my eyes. It widened my understanding of the work I want the new nonprofit that I'm forming to do. And a lot of it ties into my now very firm belief that entrepreneurship has developed into an industry and it is an industry that is operating in almost a headless fashion without ethics. It is an industry that is operating on people's hopes and dreams for the future without necessarily considering what's in those people's best interest. Very much like how the financial sector used to operate before it got regulated. So I'm going to share some conclusions from the research with you, the numbers, and then we're going to get into what I think this means for the coaching and consulting industry. And I would like to point out that when I say coaching and consulting industry, I am largely talking about the entrepreneurship industry because the top two earners in terms of the subcategories identified by this research study was outsourced startup support. There you are, consultants and service providers, and then consulting and advisory services. So that's where I would stick you, coaches. So, and then of course, a lot of companies will do events and conferences and expos, right? And then a lot of these same coaches and consultants and service providers will make content. They like to appear in magazines. Hell, I'm a contributor for Entrepreneur Magazine, if that tells you anything, you know, and workshops and stuff. So yeah, when I say entrepreneurship industry, I am positive that I'm talking to the coaches and consultants and, and the service providers that my nonprofit is meant to, to help and the business owners that my nonprofit is meant to help. And that'll be something I share in a whole separate episode. But yeah, so let's take a look at some of these conclusions for the research. So it was a seven-year time frame and we could definitely go into the like the machinations, the actual details of how they gathered this data. If you want, send me a message or click the link and read it for yourself. But I'm more than happy to synthesize the results for you. I, I'm majoring in social psychology and I, I was super proud at how relatively easy it was for me to read this and understand it. So one of the hypotheses that they looked to prove and did prove in this study is that the consumption of goods and services from the entrepreneurship industry increases entrepreneurial activity. So when you buy, when you read Entrepreneur Magazine, you buy the books, you get the workshops, you go to the conferences, maybe you hire a coach or something at some point, it actually increases entrepreneurial activity. So 27% of uh, EI, that's what they call it, entrepreneur industry, entrepreneurship industry. So 27% of EI consumers started a new venture versus 16% of non-consumers. So only 16% of non-consumers started a new venture. Uh, something else that I thought was interesting is that EI consumers perceived less risk in entrepreneurship than non-consumers. So when asked about the inherent risk in entrepreneurship, EI consumers actually perceived less risk. So they were less likely to be cautious. <laughs> EI consumers were more willing to take that risk than non-consumers, people who had not consumed any of the products of the entrepreneurship industry. EI consumers were also markedly more confident in their business ideas, their supporting network, and their management and business acumen. And that was based on like quantitative data. So like I said, like it's out there for free. Like you can read the research paper in the link. The second hypothesis was that consumption of entrepreneurship industries, goods and services is inversely related to entrepreneurial performance, i.e. you consume more of it and your entrepreneurial performance goes down. 
right? So you consume more, but performance goes down. That's what an inverse relationship is. So the more you invest, the worse that you perform and not just like during that investing period, it just is performs poorer for pretty much for the future. So EI consumer ventures, so companies that people who consumed goods and services from the entrepreneurship industry, EI consumer ventures experienced uh, 1.18 years of revenue compared to 2.8 years of non-consumer ventures. So 2.8 years of revenue from the non-consumer ventures. The more that a consumer spent on the EI industry, the shorter their venture lifespan was. Wow. So it was kind of like the more of a drug you did, like if you did more heroin, you're more likely to OD, I guess. I don't know. That's probably a terrible metaphor. And then the final hypothesis was that consumption of EI goods and services was inversely related to venture survival. And that was another hypothesis that they statistically proved. EI consumer venture survival came in at 37% compared to 54% for non-consumers. Like what? the heck? What the heck? So I just got to be honest. This is like really hard because I'm in the entrepreneurship industry and where I've been struggling basically for the last several months is every time I have a breakthrough or realization, you hear it on the podcast, right? I have this breakthrough, but I, I kept feeling like every time I had a breakthrough, I was taking a step back. Not a step back in progress, but a step back to see a bit more of the picture, right? Like Ruthie gets certified in emotional intelligence. Boom. Now she's aware of manipulative tactics, right? She's aware of manipulative tactics. Ruthie starts to, you know, Ruthie's majoring in social psychology and she's learning about conditioning and and how the mind works. And boom, now she's realizing that there are cults. There are cult tactics present in our industry to create codependent relationships with our clients until the client can't deny it anymore and eventually breaks ties with us. You know, Ruthie starts to do some research into authenticity and trips and falls into, you know, quantum physics and the science of consciousness. And she realizes that there's more than just a transactional exchange of dollars, but also a trans like an exchange of actual energy and that, you know, people in this industry may may rightfully so be accused of basically stealing other people's mental and, and even spiritual energies, right? And maybe, you know, that's not maybe your cup of tea, but that is a realization that I had that even, I guess what I'd ask you to consider is if that's not your cup of tea, what if we behaved as if it were true? What if we behaved as if it were true that when you engage in these types of practices, you are actually stealing somebody's subtle energy, spiritual energy? What if that was true? How would that, you know, change things for your perspective? And then I start looking at things like ethics and I understand how important the brand and values are and, and trying to move forward. But I'm not seeing the full picture because I never saw entrepreneurship as an industry. What I saw was this kind of loose collection of businesses, of companies, right? And sure, there's thousands of us, but I saw this loose collection of, of people who are catering to the business world. I didn't see it as an industry. And then I just on happenstance hear about a podcast that talks about a research paper and talks about entrepreneurship as an identity. And we're going to get to that one, entrepreneurship as an identity. And this research paper that I just shared with you today is actually a source 
a cited source, a cited reference in that research paper. So we're going to be talking about that one too. But it's just amazing to me how these things happen. And now finally, I've taken what I feel like is a full step back. And I think I'm finally getting my arms around what the real problem is. And at least a big part of it is that this industry has been running under the radar, looking out for itself and not for the people that we were supposed to have served. And so this is hard for me because I'm a member. I am in the entrepreneurship industry and I don't hate it. I just hate to see what's happening in it. And I I believe that things can be better. And that's why I'm producing this content. So basically what we've got on our hands is a multi-billion dollar industry whose profitability is predicated on the facilitation of entrepreneurial action. Things that entrepreneurs do, right? The entrepreneurship industry increases what this paper called the propensity to enterprise increases the likelihood that you will start an entrepreneurial venture, but it doesn't increase the ability to enterprise. It doesn't increase the likelihood of you being successful, which is part of what is marketed to you. They actually, entrepreneurship industry across the board actually causes us to perform worse. It feeds our dreams and our hopes and it feeds on our big dreams. You need to have a big dream to be an entrepreneur and it feeds on that but actually can cause us to perform worse. And I just want to leave you with these questions, but what does that mean for us in the entrepreneurship industry? Hiring others in this industry. Are we codependents who are actually just creating more codependents? Does our business success rely on people willing to start businesses but not actually succeed? I hope I've given you something to think about. I hope you share this episode. I hope you DM me and let me know what you think. Please don't shoot the messenger. This is my interpretation of the research paper. Click on it, read it for yourself. I'd love to have a discussion with you, but I'm, I'm going to have to go back and read this again, probably. So I'll talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Defy the Status Quo Biz, and the link is in this episode's description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.